The brothers you're going to meet today want to change the trajectory of the wealth gap in their family. Keep listening to hear exactly how they are doing this. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Buenas, buenas. Now, each time I say that, I think, have you been on TikTok or Instagram? And there's this wonderful woman, Latina, Afro-Latina, que dice, buenas, buenas, chiqui, boom, boom. And so if I have to say buenas, buenas, it just comes to me. That's what I think of. All that aside, welcome. I so appreciate you being here. This is Jen Hemphill, your host. And as adults, I know we tend to forget to dream. And honestly, dreaming big is what helps us grow. It helps us meet goals that we didn't think possible and be fulfilled. And today, we meet some brothers who wanted better for their family. They wanted to be better. They wanted to do better. And they set out to do just that by choosing real estate investing as their path. Let me share with you a little bit about the Donis brothers. They are three brothers, Jeffrey, Kenneth, and Kerwin, who live in North Carolina, and they invest in multifamily real estate. They're on a mission to help others reach their financial goals while achieving financial freedom for their family and themselves. Today, you're going to meet two out of the three Donis brothers. You're going to meet Jeffrey and Kerwin, and you're going to see how amazing these two young men are. And I know you're going to be inspired. Let's go meet them. Bienvenidos, Kerwin and Jeffrey, that are part of the Donis Brothers. I'm thrilled to have you here to talk about real estate. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we appreciate you getting us on. I hope you're doing well. Oh, yes. Well, I'm excited to dive into this. Just a one fun fact for those listening right now is I was actually a real estate agent in a certain part of my life. Not the type of real estate that they're doing, just single family homes selling up to families. But I did do that for several years. So I'm excited to learn from you in terms of what you do investing in multifamily properties. But before we do this, Kerwin and Jeff, I want you, and it will be interesting since you're brothers, I want you to each tell us from your perspective, if you could take us back in time to your upbringing and share with us a little bit about your experiences and the lessons that you have had around money, maybe something you saw, something you witnessed that really has impacted you till today. So do you want to start first, Kerwin? Yeah, I can start. Growing up, my mom, she migrated from Guatemala here when she was 18 and she got a job cleaning houses and that's what she's been doing pretty much her whole life since she got to America. Growing up, money was a scarce resource. We were kind of taught to be very conservative with 
what we spent money on. A common saying was money didn't grow on trees. So that kind of was our mindset growing up that we had to work for money. And when we went to Guatemala in 2020, but it was actually, we were there for the new year, moving into 2020. And we um, saw firsthand the poverty that people in that country, in Guatemala lived in. I mean, they're very humble and it's a beautiful country, but our family in particular, they live in very impoverished conditions. That really just taught us that there is levels to poverty. And although we were low income in America, that was nothing compared to the poverty that other people or developing countries face. Yeah. And this is Jeffrey. I'll just touch on uh, growing up, like you said, low income, our, my mom, she would always tell us to not leave the, the TV on for too long, <laughs> turn it off. You're not, you're not using it. We're not using the, the light in one room. Make sure you turn it off. So it definitely embedded that, like you said, conservatism where money was very scarce and it, it was almost as if we would see our mom. I mean, we would all the time struggle with money, struggle with the bills. She'd cry over things. And growing up that way definitely gave us that inner drive as soon as we were of age or capable, I would say, to actually be able to do something where we could actually increase the amount of income that our household was bringing in. So that's really why we got into real estate was to get our family out of this and then prevent any future generations from having to, to go through what we did. I mean, of course, I appreciate all the adversity that we went through. It, it made us who we are, but definitely I want to put the future generations in a better place. Okay. Thank you for that. Now you both are young. May I ask how old you are? Yeah. So we're twins. Uh, we're both 19. Okay. And then your brother is? 23. Kenneth. Okay. Okay. He's, yeah. he's the older one. Okay. Awesome. So you're fairly young and you've decided really to just take the reins and, and really change your financial future, right? So you've really have observed when you went to Guatemala, and I agree with you, being from Colombia, I've seen the same thing. And even though the poverty here is different, you know, when you're maybe not necessarily middle class, but your lower class is definitely a whole different definition than the poverty that we see in our Latin American countries. So you've decided to change that for your family and for yourself. But was it seeing that in Guatemala and seeing what your, let's say your mother has gone through? What, or was there one specific moment that was really pivotal? Because it sounds like it was a little bit of everything, but was there something either current or Jeff? Yes. I always say the book that broke me was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I read that book going into college right before that summer. And that book completely changed my mindset on how I viewed money. All my life, like I said, I was kind of taught to work for money. But that book it talks about getting your money to work for you. And it defines passive income. And most people, when they get a job and work a nine to five, that's considered active income because they're putting in hours in exchange for money. Whereas if you buy an asset and you receive cash flow from it and you're making money while you sleep, that's passive income. I almost felt betrayed. I was like, no one ever taught me this. I'm like, why was this hidden from me all my life? And so before we went to Guatemala, we always knew like, okay, we're going to get into real estate because that's what Robert talks about. You have to invest in cash flowing assets. And that's how you receive financial freedom by you know getting that passive income to cover your expenses. So we were kind of in analysis paralysis, which was... Pretty much we were in education mode. We were learning. Uh, we were starting new colleges. Jeffrey was in a beach town a few, two hours away from me. I was a few minutes away from home. Kenneth was in Greensboro, which was a few hours away, or 45 minutes away. But um, if we were separated, we were all kind of in this transitional period in our lives, but we were still learning about real estate. And we knew that that was something we wanted to do, but we kind of put it on the back burner. 
And then it wasn't until we went to Guatemala um, that we really were faced with the reality of the background we come from. And that's really when we sat down and in Guatemala, we had our first, I call it our first mastermind because we talked about the, I always say that I genuinely believe being born here uh, as a first generation American, I feel like that, that was winning the lottery because I was one generation away from that extreme poverty that I saw. And it's such a waste of opportunity and time if I don't take action now. And that's what we kind of discussed. And it was like an aha moment for us that there was no time to waste. We were being selfish if we didn't take action. Like we were saying, oh, let's wait till after college. And in a way that was an excuse because in reality, we felt like we weren't using that time as, as much as, as well as we could. Yeah. Wow. And pretty much what he said, like what, going to Guatemala, we saw, like he said, exactly what our family was going through. The difference from like how you flush the toilet over there, you have to dump water in buckets and you have to heat up your own bath water before you take a shower. And it was literally like we were on a flight from North Carolina. We went to Guatemala and it was literally night and day, the difference. So it painted that picture for us that we were very close to it. It was our direct aunts, our cousins. One thing that I that always remains like in my mind, as soon as we arrived, I started seeing my aunts, my little nephews, my cousins. They were all wearing clothes that I hadn't seen in years. And my mom, I actually always see her like packaging boxes and sending them over. And I started seeing that my clothes that I hadn't seen in years everywhere, like it was, they were using it every single day. And it was like, wow, I took that shirt for granted. I take everything at home for granted. I had like a phone. I felt like I took that for granted. I mean, everything. So when we got back, it was like, it was like a mind shift. And then we were like, okay, we have resources and we're not taking advantage of them. So then we got back and we, like you said, before we left, we were in the analysis paralysis phase where we were just educating. And then we actually started taking action behind the education at that point, that's how we got started into uh, the first thing that we did, which was wholesaling real estate. So this started back in the year 2020, Yeah, right? Not too long ago. Well, I, first, I want to applaud you for being so young and just having this, for lack of a better word, awakening experience, because some people don't have that till later on in their lives. So I really want to applaud you for that. And I'm just curious, because there's three of you. And I know, I think it was you, Kerwin, that mentioned that you all had an interest in real estate. But tell us the behind the scenes. Did one of you have to persuade the other, the brothers? Who was the one that's like, okay, the three of us, let's do this. Are you in it or are you out? I'm just curious. Who out of the three? Yeah, I would say it was Kenneth. Okay. He was watching The Breakfast Club. It's a podcast. And they had this certain guy named Mark Witten, and he was a wholesaler. And he explained how he had um, no like college experience or no, not a lot of money when he started out, but he started wholesaling and he was making a lot of money doing that. And that's kind of what planted the real estate seat in him. And that was that summer before our freshman year of college, Jeff and I's. And that fall semester, before we went to Guatemala, I interned for a local fix and flipper and I wasn't getting paid. I was cold calling for him to find any home owners that wanted to sell their house. And then he was a flipper. So he would, of course, you know, take it and, and I would get paid if I found a lead. But I actually wasn't getting paid hourly. I would only get paid if I found anyone that was interested and he closed on the property. And so that was my first experience with not working for money. Ever since before that, I had jobs where I was paid hourly. And so that was really like when I put that into action, where um, I learned communication skills, sales skills, how to deal with people of different kinds of temperaments. And that was really when I first realized that when you work, you should work for skills and to build yourself and that I was my biggest asset and that it wasn't the money I was making, but what I was getting from that experience, because that's what at the end of the day is going to have that bigger return on investment. Yeah. And like you said, it was just YouTube. 
podcast. We listened to a lot of podcasts at first. So just Kenneth was the one that really spearheaded real estate, which was wholesaling at first. But eventually we all started at the same time and we can get into that as well. But it, that's how we got started was with Kenneth. All right. So please break us down. You mentioned you got started in wholesaling and now you're investing in multifamily property. So break us down for those listening. What does wholesaling, what does that mean? Yeah. Wholesaling, uh, simply put the way that I describe it to people that don't know what it is. It says simply you, you get a property under contract at a discount. And for whatever reason, the seller might be selling because they may be going through some type of distress situation and they, they need the cash fast. So we buy the house or we put it under contract. And it's an assignment of contract, so we are able to assign it to someone else. Typically, you'll, you'll add your assignment fee, which is adding a little bit more than what you have it under contract for. And then you assign it to that person. Typically, it's a fix and flipper. So to give it more of a clear example, if I had like a pencil, I bought it for $2, and then I sell it to someone else for 4 a wholesaler would take the $2 difference as their profit. And then the person that's buying it is a fix and flipper. The person selling it for $2 is the seller. All right, Perfect. And so you started in that, but now you solely focus on multifamily properties, correct? Yes. So why did you decide in this direction? I'm curious. Why we transitioned into multifamily? Well, we did a fix and flip while we were in single family. We also, through some creative financing strategies, we got two rentals. And so we were on our path to building a single family portfolio, but we quickly realized that we were creating another job for ourselves. And also we just, we weren't as passionate about that. We'd always been fans of certain multifamily investors, and that was always our end goal. And so we just sat down one day and decided that we should take the straight path to where we wanted to be. And the real reason we got into real estate was passive income. And we knew that multifamily allowed us to do that on a larger scale and do that more quickly. And I'll let Jeff respond, but I will say our mom, she cleans houses. And so we were trying our best to retire her as soon as possible. And so multifamily gave us the quickest path to get to that point. Yeah. And I would say, Really, like he said, we always want to get into it. And as we educated ourselves more on real estate, of course, but also on the mindset of an entrepreneur and how to be successful with all different aspects, right? So we're big into habits and all that. As we were reading these books, uh, we started to realize that the only thing holding us back were our own self-limiting beliefs, right? We're young. Me and Kerwin, we were 19 at the time. We still are. So uh, we're very young. We didn't have a lot of money, uh, but we decided that you know what the only thing holding us back is ourselves why not just go for it and we always tend to figure things out so that's exactly what we did we did have some profits that we made in our single family business and we had just invested that into our education also in networking consistently um, and that's how we've been able to get into multifamily. love it love it and so for those that let's say have an interest in real estate, what do you say have been? Because I'm sure it, it hasn't been necessarily an easy path. Granted, I know you started it in 2020, so it's been about two years, right? What would you say are the top mistakes that people that are wanting to start in real estate that they want to avoid? Yeah, I can start. I would say there's two. One is they never take action. They're in this education fit, kind of like we were, but they never decide to just try because I think something we've learned is the best teacher is failing. And also you learn on the go. So you'll never know everything. You have to be willing to take imperfect action. And that's how, that's an entrepreneurial journey. I mean, you figure it out as you go. Yeah. Another major thing is uh, being able to understand what delayed gratification is. So on both businesses that we've started, the first one, it took us like five months to make any money and we were in debt. We just had an insane amount of faith in ourselves and the business that we were doing. So we didn't have to see any money. We just understood that it was going to happen. It was a matter of time. 
or not a matter of how, but when, right? So we were just working consistently. Of course, you have to put action and time into it to get something out. And on this business, it took us a while as well to get our, our first deal, but it's, it's happening. So at the end of the day, understand delayed gratification, which is things don't happen overnight. You, so a lot of people, our generation especially, are used to things happening quickly, uh, instant gratification. But for us, we understood that it's going to take time. So we're okay with that. And it's a part of the journey. So falling in love with the process, it's really the main thing. We've met, we've been in a lot of rooms and we've talked to a lot of people that say, I guess you could say they're at the top with quotes, right? No one ever really reaches their goals, but they say that but you're at the top. It's actually, they look back and they wish they would have enjoyed the journey more because that's when they had the most fun. So we're thankful that at an early age, we've been able to actually understand that, the way of thinking and apply that to our lives because we, we really do enjoy this and we understand that we're going to reach our goals. So we're not in any rush. Of course, we want it to happen. So we work hard, but uh, we're okay with the journey. I love it. This episode of Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. For a long time, I thought McDonald's was all about tempting me with their fries. But October of 2010, things changed. New duty station, husband was deployed, and I was solo parenting my two boys with no family nearby. We found ourselves at the hospital with my oldest son, and as a mom, I had an impossible decision to make, but lucky for me, the Ronald McDonald House stepped in. They opened their doors for me and my toddler, which meant I didn't have to be so far apart from either of them during this hospital stay. That's when I learned McDonald's was more than the fries. They were about supporting communities. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, me encanta. How do you see, I mean, since you've started, before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Because I know from my own experience in the Latinx community, when we think investing, we think real estate, right? And I think it's because in in Latin America, the system of investing, like in the stock market, it's a little different. It's not necessarily, I'm sure there's some systematic issues as well, but what have you seen in the time that you have been in real estate? Have you seen more people from our community start doing investing in real estate, like multifamily or what you've been doing? What have you seen in the time that you've been in? Yeah. Single family, there's definitely a lot more than in other, like in multifamily. So I think pleasantly surprised to see that there was as much as we have encountered because I wasn't expecting there to be as much. But honestly, in multifamily, there's even less. And that's just because it's even less of the population. Mm-hmm. I think a small percentage of people are entrepreneurs on top of that. Even a smaller percentage are real estate investors and an even smaller percentage of that are in multifamily. And so I just think by default, there's going to be less Hispanics. But I have been pleasantly surprised to find that there have been multiple Hispanics that we've just come across in the short time we've been in that space that have reached levels of success that I didn't even know was possible a few years ago. Yeah. But there's a lot of different people, actually, that we've come to meet. Um, Not all of them, of course, but we have met a good amount of Hispanics. And they're trying to find creative ways to tap into the Hispanic community. A lot of Hispanics, they tend to make a good amount of money. And they'll just not really know what to do with it. And they don't like putting it in banks, so they keep it in cash, whether that's under their mattress or some hidden place. But with you know inflation and all of the currency of the dollar going down, or the value of the 
our US dollar going down. We're trying one of our goals as our comp- um, Adonis Investment Group is for us to help those Hispanics who have a certain amount of money just sitting aside, not really knowing where to put it, helping them get it into assets that won't lose value over time and hedge against uh, inflation. And for those that maybe have been looking at, like, how can I start investing in multifamily properties? What are the, the first steps? What should you consider? Because I have seen in the work that I do, people invest in real estate, but they are maybe either guided wrong or maybe have no guidance, right? And they are just financially, they put themselves in the hole, right? So what would you say are like some of the first steps that you need to take if you're interested, you know, beyond the education, but financially, do you need to have a certain amount of money aside? What do you need to consider to make sure that you set yourself up for success, that that you're not putting yourself in a situation where, oh my goodness, now I'm in, in major debt? Yeah, I would start by having strong, clear goals. So setting goals. There's two paths you can take into multifamily real estate. There's the active investing path and passive investing. As an active investor, that's what we are. You are pretty much the one finding the deals, underwriting the deals, networking with brokers or apartment owners to acquire the deals. And then you also perform due diligence and all that good stuff. And you manage the asset during the whole period. But there's multiple different factors that go into that. And if you want to start on that path, now you want that to pretty much be your job, it would be your version of a job because it's an entrepreneurial path. But I do think that I recommend anyone who wants to be the inactive investor should join a mentorship or find an investor who has reached a level of success that they want to be at. Because in exchange for paying them or bringing them money from your, your investors or finding them a deal, that's the value you exchange for kind of learning from their failures so you don't have to make them yourself. Because that's how we have circumvented a lot of potential failures is by learning from my, our mentors. Now, if you want to be a passive investor, that's someone who you maybe either like your job or you don't have time to actively invest. Passive investors, there's different definitions of an active investor. And I'll let Jeffrey kind of explain what a passive investor is. Perfect. Yeah. So a passive investor, really, you're just putting a certain amount of capital into a deal and you don't have any control. So on our deals, they're considered limited partners because they're limited as to the amount of control or say they, they have in the deal and the business plan and how that's executed, but they do get to participate in the profits as well as they get a return on their investment. There are tax benefits when you invest in real estate like depreciation. So all of that are benefits of being a passive investor. But to answer your question, in my opinion, the best two ways to get started in multifamily, if you're brand new, is to join a mentorship group that you really like. Of course, vet that, vet that group or invest passively with an operator. We are operators. So Someone that's doing deals that is at a place that you'd like to be at, invest passively with them and then make sure that it's a good connection before you do that. So you can actually learn throughout the process. And it's kind of like paying your way to learn from the person that's doing it versus just getting into a mentorship. So either way, you're going to have to give something of value, whether that's money in either case, because typically mentorships are pretty expensive when it comes to the space. But also investments passively in, in these deals can be pretty expensive as well for the average family in the U.S. So definitely either way, you're going to have to give something of value. But um, of course, self-educating is a great way to start as well, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, going to events, just networking with people that are actually in the industry doing deals. That's a great way to learn as well. So what are some resources? You mentioned books and podcasts that you recommend for like 
you know, since I know that's your area, multifamily properties, what are some books or podcasts that are focused? Because I know there are, and of course, I was going to mention them and my mind just went blank. There are some really great podcasts when you're wanting to invest in real estate, but are there more specific niche podcasts that are about investing in multifamily properties, podcast books, Yeah, any resources that you may have? Yeah, we have a podcast called the Real Estate Monopoly Podcast. We bring awesome. on real estate investors in the multifamily space and have them share their stories. We also give some gold nuggets to our audience who are either hoping to become passive investors or there's a lot to take away for active investors as well. Also, I recommend the ABCs of Real Estate Investing by Ken McElroy. It's a really great book. That was one of the books that actually caused our, our mindsets to shift from single family to multifamily. Uh, Jeffrey, do you have any other good real estate books or podcasts? Yeah, uh, real estate in general. It depends on what niche because um, there's different podcasts per type of real estate you're doing. Because right, even for uh, an agent who is looking to list and you know mm-hmm. sell properties, then you can listen to agent podcasts. Mm-hmm. But for us, multifamily, there's people like Michael Blanc, Rod Cleef, Think Multifamily. And then if you're looking to do wholesaling, there's people like Steve Train with the Real Estate Disruptors and etc. All you really have to do is look up the niche you're looking to do and then look that into Google and look up that blank podcast, real estate investing, and then all the best ones will come up. Typically they are at the top. The algorithm works that way. So the ones that are the most popular and typically they're more popular because people find them the most helpful will come up at the top, but it really just depends. I mean, in regards to books, like you said, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they have a lot of awesome books. It's not just Rich Dad, Poor Dad. They have a company called Rich Dad, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad Foundation, and they have a lot of different books like like a tax-free wealth, talks about taxes. The ABCs of real estate investing is a part of that as well. So yeah, all those. And there's another one called Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. It's a really good book as well. So we recommend uh, checking them out. Awesome. And I am curious because you started in wholesale and moved to multifamily. If you were to go back in time, would you have started in multifamily or would you still have taken that path in terms of wholesale then? In a utopian world, I think I would start in multifamily, but honestly, wholesaling is what allowed us to pay our way into the group that we're part of. Okay. Um, and that has helped us learn our, cut our learning curve and get into our uh, some deals in multifamily and just, we learned a lot. So I think we did it the best way, but if I had had the money and I could still choose either path, it would be multifamily. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I agree hundred percent. Honestly, wholesaling was, you can make money in wholesaling. You can make money in most industry, all industries in real estate, but for us, multifamily was always the goal. So I would have started here if I could have. I enjoy it a lot more as well. What I do is I work with investors. So just talking to people and building relationships is my strength, in my opinion. And I love to do it versus I was the acquisitions manager for our, our single family business, which I didn't like as much. It was a lot more just not really my, my thing. But now I'm really just building relationships and I find that easy. So I look forward to, to work waking up every day. And not to say I didn't back then, but It was just a lot harder, in my opinion, um, which is good, but definitely prefer this. Awesome. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. And I'm curious because there's the three of you, right? So for someone looking into starting a multi-family properties, investing in that, and there it's just them. 
Is that something you recommend? Because there's three of you. So I'm curious how you won. What's your recommendation? Is it possible? Is it just a whole lot of work to just take on on your own? And the second question is like, how do you divide up the work? Who is who in your business? I'll try to answer both. So but like I said earlier, you can either choose the active investing path or passive investing. And once you decide that, if you want to be an active investor, I'd recommend they join a group because you can build teams that way. But if you don't have the money up front, I would also recommend going to networking events. Know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So you have you can know what you bring to the team. If you like underwriting deals, you can go find somebody that likes talking to people and raising capital. And you can find someone else who's really good at marketing and wants to run like a podcast or start a YouTube channel. And in terms of our team, I'm the marketing director. So I run our podcast. I am the one that creates all the content for our social media platforms. Kenneth is the underwriter and head of acquisition. So he is underwriting deals, building relationships with brokers. And that's who we get our deals from. And Jeff can talk about what he does. So I, like I said, I'm investor relations. So I raise capital or just, I get people to invest in our deals. These people typically are high net worth individuals. Um, they're looking for some type of benefit, whether that's a good return on their investment, maybe diversification when it comes to their portfolio or tax benefits so that they can write some of the, they can have some tax breaks. That's typically how people do it. Um, you can call it a loophole or just, you know, investing in real estate, either one. I also build relationships with people in the industry, people that can raise money themselves or people that are really good at finding deals. I kind of connect the dots and I'm really in charge of just making sure that we are moving in the right direction when it comes to relationships. I love it. And Jeff, for you, I just wanted to ask, because you're the one finding the capital, finding investors, being that you all are young, I'm just curious, do you get a lot of, I don't know, of setback because of your age or how do you just press on and not let that? Yeah, that's a great question too. I think that's one of the self-limiting beliefs that we had to overcome was Mm -hmm. us being so young, but it comes down to what I do with my time, which is educate consistently. So First, I had to understand that I'm, I'm an expert and I have to become an expert first, which is by listening to podcasts, reading books, getting into the right rooms, investing in my education and getting into certain mastermind groups like we're in. Uh, we paid a good amount of money to get into that. So by doing all this, I've been able to increase my knowledge on this space in my role. So when I talk to these investors, most of the time, obviously, I'm coming off as an expert. But typically, if you know what you're talking about, they won't even ask you how old you are. I'm doing this over the phone. And in person, people tend to think I'm a little older than I am. So they never actually ask, oh, they'll ask, how old are you? But that's after the fact, we've had a long conversation. Also, just like I said, I, there's no really secret to success in my opinion, it's just hard work. So I put a lot of time into educating myself and into mastering my craft. And that's why we have these roles. We, we split up our roles and we really focus and hold each other responsible per uh, the role that we're in charge of. So by doing that, I've been able to get closer to mastery. Um, and when I talk to someone who doesn't necessarily know much about multifamily or they're not actively investing in multifamily or they are, but um, I can have good conversations with people that have more experience than me. It just comes down to really um, surrounding myself with that knowledge and gaining it. I love it. Are there any other tips or anything that you'd like to share for those listening before we wrap up? Yeah, a great book that has helped us in terms of like defining our roles, drawing the line in the sand. And we've actually felt like it's become more of a thriving business since we implemented it was Traction by Gina Wickman. Um, it's a book that pretty much talks about the importance of systems, having accountability in an organization, um, and, and things like that. And it's really great. It's the entrepreneurial organizational system. Yeah. And then just tip, just for like a general tip, 
whatever you want to do. There's a, a guy named Napoleon Hill. He talks about it. Uh, just put your mind to something and then do it. For example, people probably don't think they can do certain things like getting into real estate at a young at a young age, but age is just a mindset. And I think the way that we've been able to learn how to start a business simply is because we put the time into educating ourselves through reading the right books, uh, listening to the right podcast, and kind of staying away from the negatives in life. It's, mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of nowadays and on Netflix and Hulu and all that, there's a lot of bad things and it can kind of set up your mind in a way that you're not even aware that it's happening. Whether that's, and we personally don't watch Netflix or Hulu or watch the news, try to stay off social media if it's not for business purposes. But um, all of this, in my opinion, has been able to help us on our path. So what I can say to anyone is be very, very mindful of what you're putting into your brain, who you're hanging out with. That's the main thing. Also, we, we like to say that you're the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. So we're very selective with who we hang out with and who we share with. And we've had to make a lot of sacrifices. Mm-hmm. By that, I just mean cutting people off. Um, it's hard to do that. But once you're in line with your purpose or, or something that is you feel is like something that you really enjoy, you have a passion for, then it's very easy. And you can tell who's supposed to be there and who's not. And as a young person, typically most people my age are, are doing things that I don't really want to do. So it's very easy to find your circle. And they might be older, but that's okay. They're going to respect you if you deserve to be there, right? So um, just really work hard and uh, don't feel like there's not people that aren't like-minded. Um, there's people out there, so just try to connect with them. Yeah, and two books I would quickly recommend for anyone to read. Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Those books completely changed our lives. And Grant Cardone books like 10X and Be Obsessed or Be Average are very good. Awesome. Well, Jeff and Kerwin, this has been fantastic. I really want to first applaud you for what you're doing for the example you're setting for our community, being the age that you're at. And I mean, I don't want to put the focus on like, you're so young. You are young. But what I'm trying to say is that there's a lot of pride in me. And I hope that I'm sure your mom has that pride. I'm a mom. So I just want to applaud you for the example. Keep doing what you're doing. I love how headstrong and how you have your head on your shoulders just so keep doing what you're doing les felicito and thank you so much thank you so much yeah thanks for having us we appreciate it que pensaste I found these brothers personally very impressive to be so young, to be so focused and driven. It really gives me hope for the younger generation to do better and that that generation is going to have such a huge impact in minimizing the wealth gap that we have in our community, at least from my observation. So I hope that stands to be true. You can connect with them. You can learn more about them at donisinvestmentgroup.com. Of course, I will have a link to that in the show notes. If you're having a hard time convincing yourself that you are deserving of better and maybe you lost faith in your dreams, I would encourage you to download my daily dinero ritual that will help you shift your money mindset poco a poco. It is free and you can grab it at jenhemphill.com forward slash ritual. And that link, of course, will be in today's show notes. Next week, we will meet Pedro Sanchez, a father and a leadership teacher who, with his own life experiences, opened up a new trajectory in his life. And that is to teach our community financial literacy. You're going to hear about that and more next week. 
Bueno, pues that is everything for today. I appreciate you being here for choosing this show to tune into today. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 287. And we have timestamps, which means you can go to the show notes, read the different titles for the timestamps, and then click on it. And it'll take you to that specific part of the interview. Remember, being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.